the name of God who creates, redeems, and sanctifies. Amen. Please sit. In the gospel this morning, Jesus and his mother are at a wedding in Cana. And it's important for us to know that in the ancient world, weddings were feasts that lasted a whole week long, sometimes longer if you were exceedingly wealthy. And so fathers of little girls would start the first year they were born laying away wine for the day that she was married, so that by the time she was 15 or 16 and was getting married, there were 15 or 16 barrels of wine sitting somewhere waiting for the feast. And you did this because it was a week long, and you were expected to feed and care for everyone the whole time, all their needs, everything. And if you ran out, it was really, really embarrassing. So that's the context of this gospel story. Jesus shows up at this, at this wedding with his disciples and with his mother. And in the Gospel of John, Mary only appears twice. She appears in this moment, and she appears when we find Jesus on the cross. So in both moments, she gives a certain amount of context to the beginning of his ministry and the end of his ministry. And there's another way that this story is connected to the cross, too, and that's that this is the first of seven signs in John's Gospel in which Jesus sort of shows us that he has power over the world around him. In this case, it's power over the elements, right? Power over water. Power to change and transform things. And though this sign is perhaps not as impressive as healing someone or feeding 5,000 people or walking on water, this one actually, I think, gives us a better image of the cross than the other six. This one connects us in a meaningful way to the work that Jesus does on the cross. It's a, a foretaste, a, a foreshadowing even of what will happen. So this sign is really important. It's important, too, because at the end of the gospel, the last words are, his disciples believed in him. So there's a solid outcome from this event, too. There's a couple of things that are important to notice about this story and about the way that he goes about this sign. And probably most obviously, the first one is that he's invited. I think we skip over that a lot. He is invited to this wedding. He's invited to have a seat at the table, invited to participate. And then, of course, we have this great exchange between him and Mary. And Mary seems to understand that there's a limit there that's happening. There's something that he can change, something that he can shine some light on. Now, it may have been that this family ran out of wine because of poverty, or it could have been poor planning. But in either case, Mary seems to think that this is the moment for him to step out and fix it in a pretty classic, don't try this at home, he responds with, woman, it's not my time yet. I don't recommend that, by the way. You notice the text doesn't tell us exactly how she responds to that, but I imagine it didn't go terribly well, because then she turns and says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. So he takes a, a minute, I would think, and then he goes ahead and steps in and changes the story. He meets the need, which tells us, I think, that for Jesus, it's important that things not run out. There's a limit here. 
there was something that was going to happen when the wine gave out, and that was that the week of celebration was going to end. Now, it's fair to say at the time that a wedding was not exactly as we conceive of it now. It probably wasn't entirely about love and romance and the way Hollywood would portray it. What it was about was family and tradition and the passing down of a particular way of life. So in giving more wine, what Jesus does is allow the community to stay together. Allows the couple a good start, to be sure, but more importantly than that, allows everyone who's gathered, which would have been the whole family and probably the whole town, to continue to pass down their way of life. This gift had a purpose. It wasn't just a frivolous gift. It created community. It reinforced relationship. And in some ways, that's what Paul is talking about in the letter today. He's talking about spiritual gifts that all come from the same God and are given for the same purpose, for the building up of the kingdom, for enforcing and expanding relationships, for sharing the good news. Gifts have a purpose when we accept them. They're not just given to us for our own enrichment or desire. They're given to us with the express purpose of building up the whole kingdom, the whole body of Christ. But there are a couple important things about this story. One of them we said already, that he was invited. He didn't burst in. He didn't break in. He didn't crash the party. He was invited. After that, Mary pushes him a little bit, asks for his help. After that, he lets people participate. He lets the servants help. He uses these big jars that the text tells us were for Jewish purification rites, so the, the washing that Jews needed to do before they ate or did other things. He uses these jars that wouldn't have been glamorous, probably. And in the end, maybe the part that is most interesting to me is that those servants must have felt pretty silly taking water to the steward. It's interesting, isn't it? I wonder when it actually changed. Because for them, when he says, take this to the chief steward, they knew that it was water. They poured it. How silly that must have seemed to them. And still, they do it anyway. They don't know him, but for some reason, they choose to trust him. And then Mary and the disciples and the servants know what has happened. And everyone else benefits from this miracle, from this sign, even though they don't know where it came from, or probably even that it took place. So I think there's a couple of things that this story can tell us, too, about the way that Jesus works in our lives. First, we have to invite him. We have to make room at the table for him to come and be with us. We have to make room in our lives and our hearts and our heads to hear the story and then to go and live it. We have to invite him in. Sometimes, like Mary, we need to ask for help. I think there's room for us to be a little pushy sometimes. It doesn't mean we're always going to get what we want, but God is big enough to hear it when we need something. I think this story tells us, too, that we have to be aware and alert. How many mysteries, how many miracles happen under our noses 
things that we benefit from that we never really pay attention to, like the rest of that wedding party who had no idea that this had happened. We have to be aware enough to not just to see it, but to participate in it. And maybe even faithful enough to do something that seems a little silly, if that is where Jesus is leading us. Like taking water to the chief steward and saying, here, try this. This story is often underestimated because he doesn't walk on water, he doesn't feed 5,000 people, but what he does is show us that there are no limits. That when he saw the border, when Mary called him into it, when he realized that something was going to happen, that the wine was going to run out, he said no. Because he doesn't believe in things running out, whether it's wine, or grace, or forgiveness, or love. He doesn't believe in good things running out. What this story tells us, and as it connects to the cross, is that when we think it's over, when we think it's lost, when we think there's nothing else that can be done, there's still something good that God can do afterwards. Whether it's fill these jars with wine, or bring life out of death in the resurrection. When we see the end of the story, God sees something else. When we see the limit, God sees beyond it. And so I think this story invites us to pay attention to the world around us, to how we might participate in those miracles and in those mysteries that happen all the time right under our noses. It reminds us that we do have to make space and invite him in. And that sometimes our faith will lead us in directions that we didn't necessarily anticipate. Maybe more than anything, though, this story is also a reminder for us of what God has done on the cross. Of the fact that the story never really ends. Of the fact that when we think the wine has run out, God will find a way to invite us again to taste the sweet wine of friendship and family and relationship, the well-aged wine of forgiveness and mercy and love, the strong wine that we share at this table that promises us eternal life. That wine never runs out, and there is no limit to the love that fills those jars. So this morning, I'd ask you to consider how you are inviting him, how you are following him, how you are looking for him in the world, and what thing he might be asking you to do that might seem a little bit outside of your comfort zone. Who is he asking you to love? What water does he want to turn into wine in your life? Amen. Amen.